Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. Uh, it's great to have you with us. All right, we are finishing up a 20-part series on the parables of Jesus. And we didn't even talk about all the stories Jesus used. Jesus loved telling stories. In fact, if you know somebody that loves to tell stories, you might want to respect them a little bit because they're a little bit like Jesus. I think that's kind of cool. But Jesus used stories to illustrate and to bring about spiritual truths using earthly stories, common everyday things that we see every day, he would find a way to work it into his teaching. And here, uh, for example, is Matthew 13, and that's where we're going to be. We started in Matthew 13 in this series 20 weeks ago, and we're going to end in Matthew 13. And look what it says about Jesus. It says, Jesus used stories when he spoke to the people. In fact, he did not tell them anything without using stories. So he loved illustrating. He loved bringing to light some spiritual truth with a story you and I could relate to. And notice here, at the end of this chapter, there are seven parables in this chapter. And look what the Bible says here. Jesus is talking to his disciples after he tells them these parables. He says in verse 51, Have you understood all these things? And the answer is yes, they replied. And he said to them, and you, that had to please Jesus. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like an owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. He says, If you understand the stories I'm telling you, it's a, you're going to be so blessed. It's going to be like having a treasure in your life. And you're going to be able to communicate that treasure to others. He wants you to do that. I hope that's what you've enjoyed in this series. I hope that you've learned something. I know I have. I've personally benefited uh, by it a bunch. God wants you to understand what His kingdom is about. And so He gives these parables. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven looks like this. And today I want to talk about a short story. It's only four verses. It's a very short story of Jesus. And like I've said before, don't underestimate the power of a short story. This short story has some major points that Jesus did not want anyone to miss, especially his disciples. And that means you. These are, there are seven parables in Matthew 13. And Jesus is using common scenes on earth to convey a truth from heaven about his kingdom. For example, they're walking along the beach and he sees a farmer. And, and they, they happen to notice this guy casting seeds. Some of it's hitting here and there, rocks, sand, you know, all kinds of places, uh, and good soil, and on a path. And Jesus, you can just see him going, you know, that reminds me of a story. That the kingdom of heaven is like what you're just seeing, fellows. And he talks about the sower sowing seed, the word of God, on the hearts of men, different kinds of hearts. And he talks about the wheat, uh, the wheat and the weeds. He talks about how they grow together. That's another parable in Matthew 13 that he talks about how they grow together. That someday in God's field there are good and bad, and one day they'll all be harvested and separated. But then he also talks about, maybe they're walking along and they smell some bread, you know. Somebody goes, man, somebody's baking bread. And he goes, that reminds me of a story of a woman who would work through bread, this little bit of yeast, and would make bread. My mother used to make homemade bread. And she would fold it and she'd slap it. She'd just start slapping it and start smiling. I'm going, Mom... What are you doing? Well, I'm slapping the air bubbles out of the bread. And I go, what do you think about when you're slapping the bread? Oh, I think of you boys. <laughs> and slapping away. And I'm like, really? That's 
weird. Because <laughs> what do you mean? You know, but, but so Jesus is, he's taken an everyday story. And when I think about the woman working bread with 11, I see my mother doing that very thing. And see, these disciples are thinking, they've seen their mothers, they've seen their wives, they've seen women working that yeast through that bread. And he's talking about how the kingdom, that's a little bit of yeast, works its way through the whole world. Through the whole world. That's, that's what it's supposed to do. They're, they're, maybe they're walking along and some birds kind of tweet as they fly by and land, softly land in a tree, and it's a mustard tree. And, it, and Jesus sits there and goes, you know what, that reminds me of a story I need to tell you about the kingdom. The kingdom is like a mustard seed, though it's real small, like you 12 guys. There's not a lot of us right here, just a little group. Someday it's going to grow into something so big. It's going to mature. And as it matures and as it grows on this earth, it's going to be a blessing to others like birds. They're going to come and find a home in my kingdom. Wonderful stories as they walk along. Maybe they're in the marketplace. And they're walking along in the marketplace and they hear the commotion, people buying and selling things. And Jesus, all of a sudden, they hear a, a guy laugh as he runs away with a pearl. And Jesus says, you know, that reminds me of a story, guys. What is it? The kingdom of heaven is like that. It's like a guy who's looking for some pearls. And, he's, and he's, he bought some pearls. And this is not just any pearl. It's such, it's such an expensive pearl. He'll gladly buy it if it costs everything he has. In fact, it did. You know, God feels that way about you. You're a valuable pearl. And, he'll, and, and he's going to spend everything. He's going to give up his son. You're that precious to him. And you're that wonderful to him. He wants you that badly that he'll give up everything. And he wants you to feel that way about people too. And then maybe he's walking along and, 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 and they're talking and he hears one of the disciples say, hey, guess what? What? You know, Bill, he hit the, he hit the mother load. What do you mean? Well, he, he, he uh, hit the jackpot. He found some buried treasure and he's set for life. And Jesus goes, that reminds me of a story I want to tell you about the kingdom of God. It's like a guy who found his treasure. And when he found it in his field, he was so excited he bought the whole field. And it cost him everything he have. And you're God's treasure, guys. God looks at you. And I want you to know this morning, God looks at each of you. You're his treasure. He gave up everything. Spent. He's, he emptied his bank account. He emptied his son account for you. You're that dear to him. And he wants you to feel that same way about others, too. You know, you think about that. The king feels this way about the kingdom. He wants you to feel the same way. As his subject, if you're a part of the kingdom of God, you will agree with the king. You want to agree with the king. Well, then uh, there's this. They're walking along here in, in, in Matthew 13. And by the way, these 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 parables aren't happening in sequence, like bam, 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 bam. They're at different times. Matthew's put them together. But there's a particular moment. I can just imagine the disciples and Jesus are walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, walking on the shore, and they see some fishermen sitting down and they're going through the fish. They've just caught some fish and they're throwing the good fish in a basket of water because they want to keep the fish fresh. So when they take it to market, it's fresh. And they're tossing the trash fish or the bad fish into the weeds. And you can see them kind of flopping over there a little bit. And Jesus sees this and I can just see him I can imagine this. He stops his disciples and they're looking at this and he's not talking. They're just watching the commotion, the work. He lets it sink in. I think Jesus then begins to squint a little bit, get a little serious and goes, guys, I need to tell you something. It's so important that you understand this. 
I've told you how the kingdom is in the world, how it grows and how it's supposed to spread and how, how it works, but I want to show you what's going to happen when it's all wrapped up and it's done. It looks like this. Some fishermen sitting around sorting fish. And that's what we read here. That's what we read here in Matthew 13, 47 through 50. Notice it says, once again, once again, praise God, I thank God that He is willing to repeat Himself. He's willing to say it again to me because He knows I may not catch it. He's patient with me. You ever been with a couple, a married couple, and they can't hear each other very well? Huh? I said, are we going to Captain D's? What? D's, Captain D's. Please, sure, go ahead, whatever. No, I'm saying Captain D's. Why not? Denise, I can't hear out of this ear very well. It's because driving a tractor, when you're driving a tractor on a farm for years, you're looking back. I look back this way at the disc or the plow, and my ear is right where the exhaust pipe is coming. And so this ear's a little dull. And there once saw Denise, I think she's mumbling. What'd you say? I said, make sure you cook the hot dogs that are in the ice. We had this happen. You're not listening, she says. You're not listening. I cooked hot dogs. They're out of the freezer. I wanted them out of the ice box. But they're Oscar Mayer hot dogs. Those are, I don't want you, those were for next week for the campus. This, these hot dogs are for us. They're the cardinal ones. Oh, they're the better hot dogs. I missed it. I missed something good. Would you just listen? You're not listening. Well, I cooked the hamburgers. Oh, yeah, you heard that. But you, didn't, you ever been around people like that? It just... And, you know, she just repeats herself. And by the way, she wasn't saying it like that. I'm exaggerating. But I'm so glad she'll repeat it. I'm so glad we have a God that says, no, I'm going to tell you again. This, sound, this parable sounds like the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the weeds. It has that same flavor of two things together, then on judgment day being separated. You'll see that. So he's once again, he's talking about the kingdom of of God again. And thank God he does that because he doesn't want us to miss this one. He says, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down in the lake and caught all kinds of fish. Circle that. All kinds of fish. I'm glad. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on shore. Then they sat down. Circle sat down. That's important. We'll see why. And collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we don't like those last, that last verse, do we? Nobody wants to talk about judgment. Preachers are afraid to talk about the judgment of God. And Jesus talked about judge, the judgment of God over and over and over again. He wants you to understand something this morning. He wants you to understand something when he tells a story that has this kind of graphic description of judgment. What's this parable teaching? What's this parable teaching? I think there's two great big points, but as a preacher, I found three. I've got to find three. It's not a real sermon unless you've got three. But two of them relate to one of them, okay? So let's talk about it. What does this parable teach? The first thing this parable God wants us to know is that God wants to reach all kinds of people. Oh, that sounds so good, doesn't it? He wants to reach all kinds of people. Remember that uh, Armor Hot Dogs commercial? Hot dogs. Armor Hot Dogs. What kind of kids eat Armor Hot Dogs? See, 
fat kids, skinny kids, kids that climb on rocks, tall kids, even kids with chicken pot. You mean sick kids eat this stuff? Yes. Armor hot dogs. The dogs kids love to bite. You don't remember that commercial? God, thank I praise God. You're going to try to go find armor hot dogs. I think they're out of business. I don't even know if they're in business anymore. But you know, think about this. God is a armor hot dog kind of God. He wants all kinds. All kinds. Tall, short, bigger, smaller, smart, not so smart, Republicans, Democrats, different kinds. He does. He does. He wants it. He wants them all. He wants them all. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that let down into a lake and caught all kinds of fish. In the Sea of Galilee, there were 20 different species of fish. That's a lot of different kinds of fish, folks. And people fished three different ways back then. One, they fished, first, the way they fished was with a line. They just used a fishing pole. Most of us fish that way, am I right? With a fishing pole. You know, in fact, in Matthew 17, Jesus, he said, hey, we need, we, someone said, you owe taxes. He goes, okay. Uh, Peter, I want you to go catch a fish. Inside, you'll find some coins. Really? Yeah. And you go out there, and it, and it says in Matthew 17 that Peter took a line, threw it out there, gets a bite, reels it in, and here is a fish, and inside are two drachmas. What? And Jesus knows what he's doing. That's not the, I wouldn't put my money there. I'd put it in the bank. He puts it in fish. What a weird guy. But you know, he, he used a line. And there's another, there's another way, and that was where the fishermen, this is the way the disciples were fishing. They'd take a net. It was a small net. It was the kind of net you could personally carry. It was an individual net. And it had weights on the outer of it, uh, the outside of it, the outer perimeter of it. It was kind of a round-looking thing. And they would throw that net. They'd wait out, and they would get out so far, and they would throw the net as far as they could, kind of like a cowboy throwing a lasso. They could just land it perfect, and it would sink. And then they'd pull on it, and like a sack or a bag, it would close up, and whatever it fell, what fell, it fell over was pulled in, and they would take those fish. In fact, that's the kind of nets Jesus... Uh, saw them using when he called them to be fishers of men. He said, hey, I, uh, uh, you know, from now on you're going to catch men. Remember in Luke 5? Peter is fished all night. Jesus says, hey, let down your net for another catch. We've fished all night. We're tired. You're a, you're a woodworker. What do you know about fishing? Would you try it? Well, okay, you say so. We'll give it a whirl. Here we go. Throw it in. It must be snagged on something. And they're pulling up, and there come the fish flopping, and they're saying, get over here, the other boat, and they're pulling it up. And it's so many fish, Peter's like, Lord, why did I even doubt you? I mean, you know you put coins in fish's mouths, and now you're showing me how to fish here. Woodworkers can fish. I didn't realize that. And, you know, Jesus says, well, don't, don't, get, all, don't get all discouraged about it, just because I can fish better than you. I'll make you better at fishing and you're going to fish for men you're going to use you know that little net you use to get fish well I'm going to show you how to catch men personally when you follow Christ he wants to help you learn how to catch your family and friends and so and and what do they do they drop those nets and follow Jesus it's so exciting 
that they would drop what they're doing. But there's a third way they fished, and this is the kind that you see maybe on A&E or Discovery Channel, and that's the big net, the drag net. And the drag net, I was in, one time Denise and I went to Dolphin Island and we're watching the fishing boats go by. The big drag net, they're letting out, they go by, then they come back and now it's pulling it into shore. And this drag net, during the time, during the time of the Bible, could cover a half a square mile. This is a big net. Imagine that. Two boats take it out. There's some men on shore, they grab a hold of a rope that's tied to one end, and they go out and make a big circle. And they come back and they give the other rope to, uh, to, uh, the other, from the other end to uh, some men on shore. And then with the weights, they go to the bottom, but the floats on the other end hold it up high, and the men begin to go heave, and they begin to pull the net in. The net begins to just begin to slowly come closer and closer to itself and it begins to encroach all of the fish. It catches everything in its path. Nothing escapes it unless it's tiny and it can get through the individual places. It's, they're pulling it in. And they just imagine as they're pulling this net in, you know, and all of a sudden the nets begin to get tighter and tighter and then you see the surface of the water begin to swirl a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? When you're bass fishing or you're fishing somewhere and you see that little swirl, you go, Oh, baby, I'm going to get him. He's right there. And this is swirling. And next thing you know, they pull again. And the sun, they break through the surface. The sun hits their scales. And they're just a fishing and a flopping everywhere. And you can see the guys getting excited. Hurry up, pull more, Bill. I'm pulling. Sam, pull. You pull. Man, look at this. And you can see the crowd going, What's going on? They're catching some fish again. It happens every day, but you never get tired of seeing it. It's like, Look at this. And the fishermen are yelling at one another. The fish are going crazy. The seagulls, ah, ah, they're all over the place. They're swatting them away. They get it up on shore finally, and then they sit down, and you hear the laughter, the satisfaction as they're separating, and they see these good fish go into this basket full of water. They're going to be safe. And then you see, all of a sudden, one go, what was that? And it's flopping in the bushes. It's a trash fish. It's good for nothing. What I want you to see, I guess, is the reason the kingdom is here is to catch all kinds of people. And it's exciting to catch people. God is excited when He sees people get caught, when they get caught in His net. It's a big deal to catch lots of people. And God wants to reach lots of people. That's what He wants His kingdom to do. It's a major undertaking. Guys, heaven gets excited, the Bible says, when one is caught. Imagine when the net is full, the excitement. Are you excited about catching people? Your king is. Your king is. Are you excited about seeing people brought to Christ? This net is so big. Listen to me. This net is bigger than this congregation. Sometimes we gauge what's going on in the kingdom by our congregation. And believe me, it's much bigger than this congregation. I will say this to you. You're a part of a great big deal. Is that something too? That's cool. You're a part of something huge. God gets excited about it. Are you excited about it? All kinds of people. What what are you talking about, Tim? All kinds of people. Every race. Yeah. Every nationality. 
This net covers the world. The sea. What is the sea? Well, the sea is the world. The fish are the people. In Habakkuk 1.14, it says something that, God, you have made the, fi- the, the people the fish in the sea, with, and they have no one leading them. And so God draws his dragnet, throws it out, and pulls. And he has his angels pulling. Heaven's pulling. You're not pulling it. I'm not pulling it. We're fish. You know, I I would say turn to somebody and go, but don't do that, okay? We're fish. They're pulling it in. They're the ones doing the sorting. All of heaven is sorting these fish. And he's pulling in these people. It goes, it, and, and you, you find out the Bible talks about how the nations are like the churning of the sea. So this dragnet is out there. I don't get the impression it's going many times out. It's out one time. And through generations of time and cultures and nations, it's drawing ever so tighter until finally it will come to shore. All kinds of fish. All kinds of fish. And it's such an exciting thing to see. It's, a, it's such an exciting thing to be a part of. You know, why disciples would leave their nets to do this. To be a part of this fishing expedition. So God wants to reach all kinds of people. But there's something else we need to realize. And that is not, that not everyone caught in the net is saved. Not everyone caught in the net is saved. When it was full, verse 48, when it was full, the fishermen pulled, up, pulled it up on shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. The net is finally full. And that's the signal we need to start It's really pulling it in now. We've been slowly going, but now it's, we can tell there's a lot of fish. All these fish have been swimming far apart. Now they're getting tighter, and the net's getting heavier. More guys are grabbing the rope. Let's get it into shore. And when they get it into shore, it says they sat down, and they collected good fish and bad fish. What's that mean? There's good and bad people in this net. The net is full, but it's got... Not only are there different kinds of people, different nationalities and different cultures, Jew and Gentile in their case, in our case, whatever nation you're from, whatever state you're from, whatever family you're from, whatever last name you possess, whatever age you are, whatever color you are, it don't matter. All kinds. But there's something else we need to understand. It's not just all kinds of fish. In every kind, there are good and bad. There are good and bad fish. And they're in the net. Some are good to eat. Some fish are good to eat. Others, well, you get rid of them. Years ago, I can't remember how old I was. Danny and I went fishing. I think he might have been 10 or 11. I'm in 13, 14. I don't know. We went fishing at the Bump Hall Creek. That's back home. It's a muddy old creek. It's not maybe 15, 20 feet wide, but it is deep. You could catch all kinds of stuff in the bump hall. My dad would take us there. We'd catch carp. We could catch buffalo. We could buffalo fish, not buffalo like, oh, Tatanka. No, no, no. 
sorry, fish, uh, those kind of fish. We, we catch uh, catfish, flathead, yellow belly cat, you know, and uh, channel cat. One day, Dan and I are catching fish, and we catch this fish we've never seen before. I mean, it's something. It's about this big. And we're like, what is it? It has a fin that runs from its head all the way down to its tail. It's not an eel. It has scales. We're like, what is this fish? It was wide mouth. Oh, it's... So we take it home. We keep it alive and take it home. We put it in the kitchen sink. I don't even know if my mother knows that this happened. So here's this fish. It's It's so big, it's bent in the sink a little bit. And it's just sitting there, breathing. We got tap water going, well water. That's good. And then, you know, back then you didn't have the Internet. You didn't have a smartphone. There was no webs. You know, Al Gore didn't have anything invented by then. I mean, we were in trouble. No, what we had, what we had was Collier's Encyclopedia. My mother bought it so we wouldn't grow up being dumb. So, big set, you know. Remember those encyclopedia sales? We always go around door to door. We bought a set. We're going to F, fish. We pull it out. Fish. Fish of the world. And so we're looking at fish. And Danny goes, there it is. And I go, well, let's look. This one had a fin all the way to the end. It had a wide mouth. It looked just like this fish. This is an ocean fish. We've caught us an ocean fish in the Bumpal Creek. How did it go from all the way up the Mississippi? Then through the Wabash and this little tributary of Bumpaw. This is phenomenal. We'll be in the papers. You know, we're excited. We've caught a sea fish. What are we going to do with it? Well, let's, you know, we better, let's do this. Let's go put it in a pond. So we put it in a pond, the family pond. Now this pond we had just dug out and dad had put channel cat, bass, and hybrid bluegill in. Stocked it up so we could fish from it. So we throw that thing on about this big, you know. Dad comes roaring up. Dad, you're not going to believe this. Whoa, whoa, we're talking. So, whoa, whoa, one at a time. What happened? We've caught a sea fish. You caught a sea fish? Yeah. We, look, we caught a buffalo. We caught some cat. But at the bump hole, we caught a sea fish. Uh, I don't think sea fish can get up this far north, boys. I'm just telling you, Dad. Look. We opened the psychopedia. This is what it looked like. It goes, that fish looked like that? Are you sure that fish looked like that? Yeah. That wasn't no sea fish, boys. Let me show you. My dad read the encyclopedia. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> he goes to Midwest Fish. Goes down to a list. That's a grinnel. A grinnel? What's a grinnel? That is a mud-sucking, cartilage-filled trash fish. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you do with it? We put it in the pond. I don't remember what happened after that. <laughs> Danny might be able to remember. I don't remember. We're out fishing. A couple of months later, we're out fishing. Oh, it's a spring, next spring. And the fish have spawned, and they've hatched. And so you've got little, uh, a school of, of channel cat. They're black, little miniature catfish about an inch long. And they're, it looks like a big dot going around the pond, you know, and they've reproduced. And my dad, we're fishing, and dad's, look at that, guys. And all of a sudden, and about a half of them are gone. They get back into a circle, another bunch are gone. They're all gone, one little bitty. What was that, dad? That was that grinnel. I don't remember much after that either, okay? I don't. I don't. 
Danny might have to help you with that. Now, I, I don't know if I was... I think I had moved out by then. It had been years. I'd moved out. A few years. And Danny calls me up and goes, Guess what? What? I caught the Grinnell. What do you mean? I've been trying to catch, we've been, we were trying to catch that Grinnell for years because it was killing all the fish. You know, we knew that. And, and he goes, I finally got him. And he's huge. What do you mean? He's big. What'd you do with him? I threw him in the hog pen and let the hogs get him. <laughs> That's great. Have you told Dad yet? I'm going to. But I would suggest you stay where you are. <laughs> trash fish. Who wants a trash fish? Nobody wants that. Grinnell or all cartilage. Now, I know some people say, well, I think I can make it taste good. Good luck with that. I'll, I'll prefer something else. But, but, it's, but it's, this is what's going on. There's, there are trash fish here. And these fish here that they're throwing away is not only diseased fish that you don't want to eat. They're sorting those out. But they're sorting out fish that the Levitical law says they shouldn't eat either. In Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14, both those passages talk about that the Jew was only allowed to eat fish that had scales on it and fins. They could not eat the catfish or the eel. And catfish were popular in the Sea of Galilee. And by the way, my brother has eaten freshwater eel. I wouldn't touch it. Okay, so so they're throwing these, these, these bad fish out as they're sorting them. Now, does this mean there are good and bad people in the kingdom? Are there good and bad people in the kingdom of God? Tim, are you saying there are good and bad people in the church? Do you have to have binoculars? (laughs) You kidding me? If the ocean, if the sea is the world and the fish is humanity... There are bad people everywhere. There are bad... the Guys, there are bad people where you work. There are bad people in your house. Well, I live by myself. <laughs> there, are, there are bad people everywhere. In my small group? You don't want to admit it, but yeah. Are you saying there's bad people... At Greater Alton Church? Yeah. Yeah. They're everywhere. Let's just get over that right now. Let's just accept that right now. Bad people are everywhere. You see, Christianity draws all kinds of people. Is this, what is this, Net Tim? Is it the church? Is it the gospel? What is it? Well, some people say it's the church. Some people say it's the gospel. I want to tell you it's bigger than both. It's the rule, plan, will, purpose of God. And God is going to have His way. He's bringing His dragnet in. And as it ever so tightens, and the fish get a little more crowded, one day it's coming to shore. And in the church... And with the gospel, there's going to be bad fish. You just don't want to be one of them, huh? You know, people come, people come to church and, and respond to Christ for all kinds of reasons when you stop and think about it. Am I right? The reason I got baptized is because my friends got baptized. So I decided to get baptized. 
Wasn't that good? That's good peer pressure. No, that's not good. Doing something what somebody else wants, if it's not Jesus, that ain't good. How can that be good? Well, well, some people come to church because they just like the relationships. And I want to tell you, I love the relationships I have. The best friendships I have are people in the kingdom of God. I know that. But you know what I find out? I find out about myself, and you, you will find out about yourself. If you lose some of those friendships and you can't go on, what's that say? What about Jesus? Isn't that your relationship that all your relationships come from? Some people come to church, some people respond to the gospel because there's some kind of gain they get out of it. Maybe they get some admiration or respect from someone. Well, he goes to that church. He's cool. He goes to that cool church. Cool church? That's what we are? That's why I'm coming? What if it's not so cool? You know, Jesus wasn't cool in his culture. Too many churches trying to be cool in their culture. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not denying that we need to have things that people can relate to in the world. And I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to be purpose-driven in a lot of ways. But when it's all about our parties and our events and not about Jesus, that's what we've been doing the last few years, guys. We're trying to get, I remember somebody one time said, why don't we just take everything off the table and go dark for a while till we get our motive where it ought to be? And that's what we've been trying to do. We've been trying to figure out, what are we really here for? For reputation or redemption? Which one is it? Because a lot of people can be caught in the net. A lot of people can get gathered up. And a lot of people can come here. They can still end up being bad fish when it's all said and done. Some people come to this church and come, come to church and come to Christ because, well, we've always done it that way. My family was this, so I'm this, and we're just basically going through the motions until the net hits the bank. Some of you are pressured. You've been pressured. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do that. You, need to, you do it under pressure. And you think that's going to make you good. Like I said last week, old black preacher during G.P. Holt said one time, just because you sit in a chicken house doesn't make you a chicken. No, the net catches all kinds of fish. I'm so glad it's open to all mankind. But unfortunately, it's going to catch good and bad. I say unfortunately, maybe Jesus, God does it on purpose so that we'll think, we'll think what kind of fish we are. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many, he says, will say. How many? Many. How many is that? Jesus, a lot of people are going to say, Lord, did we prophesy? We taught in your name. Lord, did we, did we drive out demons? We did some miracles in your name. We did many wonderful works or performed miracles in your name. And look what Jesus says, I will tell them plainly, as plain as a good fish and a trash fish. I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. Oh my gosh. This is the very first verse that he showed me when we started our study together. And it rocked me. Because I didn't want to be one of those people that said, guys, 
I hear this all the time, and I'm not denying it's a true statement. Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? I hear people say, and it's true. But there's a greater question. Does the Lord know you? Will He know you? Or will you be a stranger to Him? When the net comes to shore. Oh, these people must be bad people, Tim. They must be awful people. They must be hypocrites. You're right. Yeah, yeah. But I I notice that they're saying, Lord, Lord, and they're doing wonderful things. These could be nice people. They could be nice, rebellious people. And I've met a lot of nice, rebellious people in my lifetime. Did you know, I thought this was interesting. I, I, I had a hard time with this when I first heard it. Did you know that when Jesus talks about judgment, it's always to believers, not to the lost? It's to believers, to the religious, to the believers. He's telling us, this, did you know that? It's a message. Judgment is a message for you and I, if we're believers, if we're disciples. Look at 2 Corinthians 13.5. Paul realized that. He tells a church. He's talking to a church. Look closely at yourselves. Test yourselves to see if you're living in the faith. You know that Christ Jesus is in you, unless you fail the test. He's saying, look close, Tim, at your life. Test your life. Do a pop quiz every once in your life. And see if you really are a Christian. If you really are a follower. If you really are a good fish. Not, listen, folks, I'm not talking about inconsistency here. We're all inconsistent. Talk about hypocrisy. What do you mean, Tim? Well, you get that flavor here. He says, you know, listen, you know Christ is in you unless you fail the test. What's he, what's he talking about? Well, he's talking about how Christ needs to be in my home, needs to be in my workplace. No. He's not talking about pick a place and put Christ there and pick a place. and put. He says the place is here. So wherever I go, Christ is in it. I mean, you kind of person that's one way on Sunday. You got your Sunday best, but in your clothes. You know what I'm saying? It's not. It's it's your attitude. Well, I'm coming in. Praise God. Hi. Good morning. God bless you. You know, and you've got that going on. But then you get out in the car, and it's like World War Three again. Or or you're at work, and you're a shyster. You're somebody. You're lying. You're cheating people. But at, at church, you'd never do such a thing. At home, you're, you live a certain... Well, it's privacy in my own home. You bring Jesus into the privacy when He's in you. And Paul says, Is He in you? How do I know if He's in me? He's in everything. There's no sacred, holy ground or restricted area. He's in my marriage. He's in... He's in my family. He's in my workplace. He's when I'm by myself on that computer. He's all there. I bring Him into that. I bring Him into my illness. I bring Him into to the hardship. I bring Him into the suffering. But I also bring Him into the celebrations. I bring Him into everything. If I don't, I fail the test. Second Peter. Peter, who heard Jesus and saw this scene says, my brothers and sisters, try hard to be certain that you are really 
that you really are called and chosen by God. What's he saying? Make sure you're a Christian. Make your calling and election sure. Now, I've had people criticize me. I've said this to people. I've studied with people. They say, you know, I don't really know what I did to become a Christian, Tim. I got baptized, but I'm not sure why. And I said, well, maybe you ought to make your calling and election sure. And I go to Peter, who had lots of problems with doubting and lots of problems struggling. I said, you know what, maybe you ought to look at that and, and consider that. And I've had people say to me things like, you're just trying to get him baptized again. No, I'm not. The Bible says you can think you're a Christian and you're not. The Bible says you can think you're saved and you're not. Matthew 7. The Apostle Paul thought he was saved and he was not. And here's Peter saying you need to really make sure. Why? Because if you do all these things, you will never fall. You'll be good. You won't be thrown out. You won't be the trash fish. So, God wants everyone. He wants to reach all kinds of people. He's trying to reach you. He's trying to reach you today. Understand, not everyone in, that's caught in the net is saved. But there's a third thing I notice, and it relates to this. These last two points kind of relate together, and that is God will one day reveal where I really stand with Him. There's going to be a day He's going to say, Okay, Tim, we're going to really see what you're made of. Everybody's going to see it. I'm particularly going to see it. Verses 49 through 50. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Guys, you get the idea that this net, it's only cast one time, like I said before. Over the cross-section of the world, over the entire world, God draws in His dragnet. And everyone is in this dragnet. The good, the bad are in this dragnet. Everybody that's been drawn by it. And there's a time when this net will finally they'll say, it's full, it's time, and they begin to pull it to shore. And everybody, listen, we, when you're, when you're pulling, by the way, I've done fish netting, hoop net, hoop nets. You don't know what's in the net till you get it out of the water. And there's something crazy about that. I've got tons of stories to tell you. You could ask me later. I'll tell you something that'll make you puke. Okay? You never know what's going to be in that net. And these guys, they don't know what's in the net until it gets out of the sea, till it's on the shore. The true identity of the fish is revealed when it's pulled to the bank. And I want to say to you, I say this kindly, you can fool a lot of people. I can, I can fool people. You and I, we can fool a lot of people, but you cannot fool God. His judgment day is coming. And it's going to be clear where you stand. It isn't going to be other fish judging you, but angels. Thank God, another fish ain't going to be judging me. I like I get the wrong fish, you know, somebody going, Hey, I don't like you, you're out. But angels from heaven, it's going to be fair. And I won't be missed. Why not? Because they're setting down to make sure. They're taking the time. 
I often thought, you know, what if an angel grabs a bad fish and I'm underneath that bad fish and he has hit both tails and throws us both out? That ain't going to happen. It will not happen. Look at the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians 5, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things we have done while in the body, whether good or bad. And he's saying that to people who have been saved by the grace of God. Today, guys, we have a, such a negative view of discrimination and judgment. All I have to say is one word. Ferguson. Right? That's all i got to say. And I believe, I want you to know, I believe we shouldn't tolerate discrimination and judgment when it comes to being prejudice or bigotry or chauvinism. But if you think we we can't judge anything, you, you couldn't live without judgment. You couldn't live without discrimination. You, you couldn't live everyday life without some... You're doing it now. You, you did it this morning. You have to use judgment and discrimination with the diet you have. Oh, what am I going to eat here? Am I going to eat fresh vegetables or rotten ones? Hmm. Which will I drink today? Will I drink some nice clean water or some Drano or some, you know, some liquid plumber? I mean... If you, you, you say, well, Tim, those are no-brainers. Yet, you're using discrimination and judgment. You're driving. Some of you, bless your hearts, are trying <laughs> to use judgment and discrimination. Right? You try to watch the signs. You stop. You, when it's, the light is red, you... I thought somebody was going to say, go. <laughs> no, you're going to. No, you stop. Right. You, you obey the laws. You get that. When it comes to your money, don't you use judgment and discrimination every day? I'm going to buy this, I'm not going to buy that. Even the person you marry, even the person you marry, you're using discrimination and judgment. How many times have you heard this at a wedding? I mean, here I am at my wedding, Denise and I, and he goes, do you take Denise to be? Yes, I do. And some woman stands up, what about me, Tim? Why didn't you take me? Why did you reject me and pick her? Nobody did that. And yet I use judgment and discrimination with a person. And nobody says, well, you just said everybody else you wouldn't spend time with. You're judging. Nobody thinks that, do we? Parents, how many times have you looked at your kids and you went, hey, I don't want you hanging around that kid anymore. Why not? He's a bad kid. And here comes, uh, here comes everybody. You're judging people. No, you're trying to protect somebody. We use judgment and discrimination constantly. If we didn't, we'd all be dead sooner than we planned. But what about people, Tim? Do we, are we, should we be discriminate and judge people? I don't think we're very good at that. I'll say it this way. I'm not very good at that. I'm not very good at judging people. And, and discriminating between people sometimes. I need help. God is an expert at it. God is an expert at it. Why do you say that, Tim? Because many people get... The real reason I think we don't want to... We don't like judgment. We don't want to talk about judging people. And we don't. the idea of judging people is we know it's inevitable and we're going to be standing before God someday. 
And so we don't want to think about it, and we don't want to deal with it. And Jesus in this parable is saying, you must think about it. You must think about judgment. You must think about the judgment day. Oh, it'll scare people. A few. But judgment day is not a bad thing. It depends where you're at, okay, with God. It can be a great thing, because on judgment day, if you're right with God, you're not going to be missed. Now, if you're not right with God, you're not going to be missed. You tell me which side you want to be on there. We must think about it. Jesus spent story after story talking about the judgment. He wants us to understand it. And He wants us to accept it. And you say to Him, why do you say accept it? Because, listen folks, if I know something that's true and I don't accept it, if I'm accepting it, that means I'm going to use it in my life. If I'm not using it in my life, I'm really not accepting it. You know what I'm saying? You hear somebody say, practice what you preach. They know the statement, but do they practice what they preach? You see that? See what I'm saying? Guys, to know something that's true and not apply it is like it's as good as believing a lie. So Jesus is telling us, you've got to think about this. You've got to understand this. You've got to accept this. And it needs to change your life. You see, God is going to have the last word. You got your views and I got my views. And you've got your opinions and I got my opinions. And I understand that. You know, we all got our opinions and views. We all have our personal preferences. You've got them. I've got them. But God is going to have the last word. I'm going to be judged. You're going to be judged. Not by what we think God says, but by what He really says. You say, well, that's kind of scary, Tim. It is if you're not searching the Scriptures. I'm amazed at how many people have an opinion about something in the Bible, but don't know what it says. That somebody look at the Scriptures and go, look at this passage, and they go, I don't agree with it. I, 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 I don't believe that. You're arguing with the Scriptures for crying out loud. They're going to judge you. God is going to have the last word. And that's one of the reasons you ought to pay attention to it. One day, the nets come into the bank and the fish are going to be sorted out and the angels are going to do the sorting. Not me, not you, not another fish, not another human being, but angels from heaven. It'll be right. It'll be accurate. They're going to sit down and go through it, every fish, and make sure it's right. It will be fair. So if you're saved this morning... You've got nothing to worry about. If you've surrendered to Jesus and He's in you everywhere you are, you've got nothing to worry about. But if you're here partially and your heart is somewhere else, you've got something to worry about. Let me ask you this as we close. Are you a good fish or a bad fish? This is where I have a trouble with this. I'm having trouble with this parable, to be honest. I'm going to tell you something here. Is this saying that God is going to draw and the fish that are bad can't be good and the good fish can't be bad? In other words, they're just kind of stuck where they are? Is this like predestination or is it that God's already got it figured out? Is that what it's talking about? And I'm not sure Jesus has a parallel point he wants to make in every aspect of this, of this parable. I just noticed that the dragnet's not in yet. It's giving people time. I do notice that. 
You know, as the net draws closer, fish will bump up against its mesh and then dart off into where there's no... And they think, I've escaped the net. Somehow it's not going to get me. They have no idea. It's drawing closer and closer. A lot of people are like this. They, they, they brush up against what God says. They brush up against a moment, maybe this morning, and it frightens them a little bit. Bam! They're gone. Uh, and, or, or maybe they go, I like this, and then they go their way, and they just continue to do, they eventually end up doing the same old thing, the same old way. They're unchanged. But the net keeps coming, encircling ever tighter, encroaching the fish, the sea of mankind. What do I do with the time that God has given me? Look at Joel 2 here. In Joel chapter 2, this verse here, is it over here? There we go. Joel chapter 2. Look what it says. Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Joel is talking to God's people, not to the lost, not to the unchurched. He's talking to people who are trying to follow him that have gotten themselves a little sideways in life. And he says... Turn to me now while there is time, God says. And you, how do I do that? I give you my heart. Give me your heart. That's how you turn to me. Look at this passage in Psalms. It says here, Therefore let all the godly, the godly, you consider yourself godly? A disciple? A Christian? Can I tell you this verse you need to pay attention to? Therefore let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. What's going to happen to you when the nets finally hits the bank? When it finally hits the shore? And the angels start separating? It's coming. I don't worry about somebody else right now. I'm just asking you, what are you what's going to happen to you? You know, you can know. You can know when you surrender to Jesus. I know this is a pretty intense lesson. Guys, there's a card in your bulletin that just gives you an opportunity maybe to respond to this lesson. You might say, well, Tim, you know, I, I think God would throw me away because I've done so many things that are wrong. That's not what he means by a bad fish. A bad fish is somebody who just doesn't accept what God teaches. A bad fish is somebody who refuses to surrender, completely surrender to God. And if you say, well, I'm, I'm bad because I, just, I mess up so much, you know why you still surrender to God, surrender to Christ. Get involved in Bible study. Find out what it means to become a Christian. Give your heart to God. Open your heart to His Word. And you're not going to end up in the weeds somewhere when the angels start separating these fish. Maybe you're somebody, you're a Christian. You say, Tim, I've gotten away from God and I need to get back. While there's still time, why don't you turn? Turn to God. Pray. Do you think God wouldn't listen to you? If you said, Lord, I've messed up. Do you think God would take you back? You don't think God would forgive you? He will. And He does. Maybe there's something you want to pray about some people, but I want you to think about this lesson, because this is the one that Jesus says, do you understand what I'm saying? And I hope you can say, yes, Lord, and experience the treasure of that understanding. We're going to pray. 
while you have time and sing a song and while you got and you'll get time to fill out your card and then we're going to sing another song and take up those cards along with our contribution to this morning may God bless you to have a deeper understanding of these stories from the lips of Jesus the greatest storyteller of all let's pray father thank you for your word lord even even this the this the topic of your judgment is just riveting and father i think about how so many of us at times would just love to not think it's going to happen in fact our society even our religious society is beginning to to ignore these warnings from your bible and Father, I can't help but think about over and over again, you talk about a great net being cast and brought. This is the only time in the New Testament you talk about it, but in the Old Testament you talk about casting a net and bringing everyone to your judgment. But you also talk about casting a net and bringing everyone to life. And Lord, we pray that that we'll choose to let you catch us, but most of all, let us catch you in our hearts, Lord, like never before. And be found good on the day of judgment. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.